stuff, huh? Let me ask you this morning, how many of you are struggling with pornography, adultery, or sexual immorality? Very few would raise their hands, huh? Very few. That's amazing because uh, I doubt really that we are that perfect of a crowd. Statistics tell me that there are probably a lot of people in this room that in some way or another are struggling with those issues. In fact, as you watched Brian's story this morning and listened to you, some of you were thinking, that could be my story. In fact, maybe you were thinking, that is my story. I am sure there was a point in Brian's life where he would have thought to himself, you know, that will never happen to me. And yet it did. And maybe you've thought, that could never happen to me. We continue today to talk about our secrets to talk about the parts of our lives that we prefer to keep behind the blinds. We're dealing with this verse out of the Bible, Proverbs 28.13, kind of our theme. You probably know it by now. Those who conceal their sins or those who keep them hidden behind the blinds, those who conceal their sins do not prosper. But those who confess and renounce them find mercy. And that's our goal today. To be open, to be honest, to be transparent. And to find healing and forgiveness from a God who loves us when it comes to the area of our sexual addictions. I read some amazing statistics this week. Do you know that the pornography industry, their revenue is more than the combined revenue of ABC, NBC, and CBS? How many of you have children ages 8 to 16? Quite a few of us in that category. This will amaze you, but statistics say that 90% of them have viewed some kind of online pornography. A lot of times we think, well, this is just a struggle for men, but that's not necessarily true. Do you know that uh, 33% of visits to adult websites are by women? Here's the most staggering thing. How many of you have been to McDonald's this week? Now, there's McDonald's, it seems like, on every corner almost. Do you know what? There are... The number of adult bookstores in America outnumbers McDonald's three to one. It is frightening. I want to tell you a story that I think illustrates the dangers of pornography and lust and sexual immorality that we struggle with in our culture. It's the legend of the Eskimo wolf. And the Eskimos have a method for getting these wolves, for killing them. Their method goes something like this. They will take a sharp knife that is sharp on both sides and they will kill a a squirrel or a rabbit or something and they will cover that knife in that animal's blood and then they will freeze it. And not to be gross, but kind of a like a blood popsicle kind of thing. Then once it's frozen, they will take it out and they will cover it again in fresher blood and they take that knife out and they stick it firmly in the ground and leave it there. The wolves smell that blood and they will make their way to that knife and they begin to lick it. They'll lick that fresh blood away and then they get down to the frozen part and that frozen part begins to numb their tongue and they just continue to lick and lick until they have no feeling and the knife begins to cut their own tongue and there is fresh blood and that excites them and they lick harder until their own tongue is destroyed, mutilated, and they often go away and bleed to death. Disgusting, isn't it? But I think that is exactly what pornography and sexual immorality do to us. We are drawn to it. We become numb to it. It excites us. But we don't realize that danger lies ahead that will destroy us and maybe even lead to death. 
Now maybe you're saying, well, Jeff, you're being awfully dramatic about all of this, really. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 13. James says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does He tempt anyone. But each of of you is tempted when you are dragged away by your own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That word entice means to allure, to trap you, to try to hook you. And Satan or the devil, who is our enemy, his primary goal in life is to steal, kill, and destroy us. And the way that he does that in many of our lives is to hook us with sexual attractions, the sexual addictions, and to drag us away, trying to destroy us. That's his goal. Now, I want to share with you today an important principle. And this principle is called the principle of the path. The principle of the path simply says that the path you are on determines where you will end up. The path that you are on determines where you will end up. You see, it doesn't matter what our motivations are, what our desires are, what our goals are, what our dreams are in life. That doesn't determine where we end up. What determines where we end up in life is the path that we choose to walk on. It's the path that we choose to walk on that determines our destination. Now, I know that's not rocket science. In fact, it seems overly simple and obvious, doesn't it? But the truth is, as obvious as it may seem, when it comes to the struggle over sexual purity versus sexual immorality and pornography and lust, an awful lot of people choose to put their feet on a path without ever checking to see where that path leads and what the dangers are on that path. They believe they are smart enough or slick enough or careful enough or cautious enough that all of those things, the dangers that may be out there, that they'll be able to avoid those. But the truth is, the path that we are on still determines where we will end up. And it doesn't matter how smart you are or what your personality is. That doesn't determine where you end up. It is the path that you choose to walk on that determines your destination. Every single path has a predetermined destination and you can't change it. And so the question is not how close can I walk to the line of sin without crossing over? Or the question is not you know, how Successful do I have to be in life to override a moral failure? The question is, have I placed my feet on a path that takes me to a destination that I want to go to? Because every path has a predetermined destination, especially when it comes to sexual sin and lust. Now, I want to look at a section of Scripture today in the Bible that I think paints an incredible picture of the danger of of the path if we choose the wrong one. Now, here's the, here's the setting for this story. It's found in Proverbs chapter 7. If you want to turn in your Bible there, we're going to read quite a bit. It's a long story, but I think it's pretty engaging. Proverbs chapter 7, and here's what's happening. A wise grandfather type person who has experienced a lot of life is sharing some of his wisdom with a young man. 
A young man who's not so wise about the things of the world. Listen to what this older man has to say. Proverbs chapter 7, beginning in verse 6. The old man is talking. He says, At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice and I saw among the simple or among the crowds, I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in, then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intents. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him. And with brazen face she said, Today I have fulfilled my vows. Kind of a a cultural thing. And I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and have found you. You. She has participated in this cultural thing. And she paints this picture for this young man who is oblivious, it seems, to what's really going on. She paints this picture that I've, I've had this celebration and I was looking for someone to share it with and I found you. It's, it's a coincidence, but I bumped into you and I want to share it with you. Now, the wise man who's telling the story can see what lurks ahead, but the young man is captivated by this moment. Then the story continues. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. Now again, the wise man can see what lies ahead, but this young man is captivated by the moment. He sees only the moment and he thinks, this is amazing. This will be an incredible night. We'll drink of our love till morning. We'll enjoy this experience. And he's being drawn right in. But the wise man, the grandfather type who tells the story, sees what is ahead and listen to what he says next. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your hearts turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims that she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. The wise man says this is not a safe path. This is a dangerous path. You have chosen a path that will lead you to be morally bankrupt. It's just a matter of time, the old man says. I know where this path leads. And the truth is today, as I read that story, everyone in this room knew where that path leads. Didn't you? And yet, when it comes 
to applying the principle of the path in our own lives, somehow there is this mystery, there is this fog that clouds our judgment. And we somehow think that we can start down that path and for us, the outcome will be different. That somehow we'll avoid all of the dangers. That we're smarter than the dangers. That we, the bad results won't happen to me. You see, the young man in this story was focused on the moment, on that experience that was about to take place. And he couldn't see any farther down the road, but the grandfather type, the older man, he wanted him to see that he could see farther down the road and there was danger. It's kind of like this. You know, if I drive onto the the Cape Coral Bridge, I can see from the beginning of the bridge, maybe to the, the top of the peak, and maybe that part of the bridge looks like it is smooth sailing. But I can't see that just over the top of that hill, there are cars blocking the way. And if I continue flying along, there is danger ahead. Now, if someone was up in a helicopter over all of that, they could see the big picture, couldn't they? They could see that the first part of the trip may look like it is smooth sailing, but just over the top of the hill, there is danger. And that's the perspective that this man of wisdom tries to share with this young man that yeah, this may look great now, but just around the corner, just over the hill, just out of your sight, there is danger that you need to be aware of. Pornography is a path that many choose thinking they can overcome it. They chase it thinking, you know what, I know there are some hidden secrets and dangers, but but that won't happen to me. I'm smarter than that. I can, I can outwit pornography. I can outwit this path. I'll just lock the door. I'll erase the history on my computer. I'll just tell a few lies to my wife or children or parents. I'll avoid the danger. But the truth is, the path of pornography leads every time to danger and to destruction of our lives. It can't be avoided unless you get off the path. Some journey down the path of sexual immorality. But I want to tell you this morning, you cannot sleep around with anyone whenever you want, before or after you are married, and think that you will avoid the dangers. That you'll avoid the, the dangers of sexual diseases. Or that, that you or your spouse will not be emotionally destroyed. Or that your dreams for a healthy relationship won't be damaged. I cannot tell you, in what seems like to me a short time of being in ministry, but I guess it's not so short anymore, the number of times people have sat in my office and I have counseled them and they have told their stories of moral regrets And the things they say are almost always the same. I didn't think it would happen to me. I can't believe my life is in such a mess. I can't believe they don't trust me anymore. I can't believe I don't want anyone to touch me. I can't believe that I've lost it all. My life has been destroyed. Sexual immorality is a path that sometimes we think we can outwit it, that we'll somehow avoid the dangers But the words of Proverbs are always true when the wise man said again in verse 22, all at once he followed her, 
Like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Every path has a destination and it is the path that determines the destination, not us. We have to make sure we choose the right path. Listen to what the writer of Proverbs says back in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 18. He says, the path of the righteous or the path of right living is like the morning sun shining ever brighter to the full light of day. Let me spend just a few minutes then today kind of wrapping this together by giving us what I hope are some practical insights to help us make sure that we stay on the right path, on the path that leads to right living, on the path that leads to a healthy relationship with God, on the path that leads to God's blessing in our lives, and on the path that leads to a joy-filled life. So here's several things. First, guard your eyes. Guard your eyes. Guys, this is a huge one for us because often the detour for us to the wrong path begins visually. And we need to learn to guard our eyes. Our world is saturated with sexual images. We actually talked about in our creative time of showing you some examples of some of the stuff that's out there, some of the less offensive stuff that's out there. But you know what? I decided not to do that because I determined I might do more to damage our struggle than it would to help raise our awareness. We don't need any more visual stimulation, do we? We need to train our eyes not to linger, not to take that second look, One speaker called this training your eyes to bounce. To bounce away from the things that we shouldn't be looking at. The boys and I have this thing that we've started to do at home as they've gotten older into their teenage years. When a commercial comes on, like some of the Victoria's Secrets commercials, which, let's just be honest, that is soft pornography. It really is. So we've started this thing that when that comes on, We all just look at each other. We look away from the TV, the three of us, and we make eye contact with each other and we kind of joke about it for a few minutes. Peg keeps her eye on the TV because she can and she tells us when it's safe to look again. But we have learned to to bounce our eyes off of that stuff. And you know what? That's twofold for me. I don't need to look at that stuff and I know they don't need to look at that stuff, but I also am trying to raise their awareness to bounce their eyes, to train their eyes not to linger, not to take that second look. Maybe it's when you see that good-looking person walking down the, the aisle at the supermarket. Don't take the second look. Don't let your eyes linger. Now, some of you are thinking, what's the, what's the big deal? I'm only window shopping. I'm not buying. I'm just looking at the menu. I'm not ordering. What's the big deal? Listen, Jesus explained what the big deal was. He said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. He said, you have heard that the law of Moses says, do not commit adultery. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even if it is your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. (laughs) For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now you thought the story about the wolf was nasty. Jesus says if your eye causes you to lust, gouge it out, throw it away. Did he mean it literally? I'm not sure. But I know this. He meant that it is serious business. And we have got to guard our eyes. 
We need to do what Job, who was an Old Testament character, did. He made this promise. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. I made a promise that I would not allow my eyes to linger. I like how the message translates this verse. It says, I made a solemn pact with myself never to undress a girl with my eyes. I won't let them linger. I will guard my eyes. A second protective measure that we can take to stay on the right path is to guard our minds. 2 Corinthians 10.5 in the Bible says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take every thought captive. We take captive sinful thoughts. Now, what does that mean? Well, let me try to explain. You know what? At some point, you're going to have some bad thoughts that come into your mind. Maybe somebody really attractive does walk by and your first inclination is to go, wow, they look good. Take that thought captive. Maybe a a thought from your past comes back into your mind. Take it captive. Maybe you are by yourself and you have some time on your hands and you're tempted to begin to fantasize a little bit or to look at something that you shouldn't. Take that that thought captive and replace it with something else. What do I mean by that? You need to stop what you're doing maybe. And for instance, take that thought captive by calling a friend and telling them you're tempted right now. Ask them to pray for you. Maybe you need to change what you're doing and instead of whatever it is that's tempting you, you need to get your Bible out and read it. Change what you're doing. Maybe you need to, to turn off the TV. Maybe you need to unplug it for a while if it's leading you astray. Maybe you need to just get up and go for a walk. Do something, but take that thought captive by replacing it with something that is good. Replace those sinful thoughts with something that points you in the direction of God and keeps you on a good path that leads to a good destination. The third protective measure is you need to run for your life. Run for your life. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6. Flee from sexual immorality, or in other words, run away from it. Now you know what? There are other places in the Bible where it talks about sin and about other sins. And a lot of those other sins, it says that we ought to resist or we ought to stay and fight. But every time it talks about dealing with sexual sin, the Bible says flee. Run away from it. Don't even stay in the area. Run in fear of Satan who is trying to destroy you. We need to do what Forrest did. And run, Forrest, run. Get out of there. Because Satan will do anything to destroy you. Now here's some practical things in terms of running for your life. We talked a little bit about this last week. I mentioned it. You need, some of you need to go home and destroy your stash. If it's pornography, get rid of it today. You know, if it's Cosmo magazine and 473 ways to fire up your love life in bed and that sends you in the wrong direction, get rid of it. Whatever it is, whatever you've got stored away that puts you on the wrong path, destroy it and get rid of it. Secondly, we need to ensure accountability when we travel. Some of you travel for business. Some of you go away by yourself. I know a lot of churches now that encourage their staff not to travel alone, but to take somebody with them. But I know for your business, a lot of times, that's simply not possible. But there's some other things that you can do to assure accountability. 
Have a friend call you every hour while you're in the hotel room until it's time for you to go to bed. Take your laptop along and set up a web camera and broadcast back to somebody what you're doing in the hotel room. Call ahead and have them turn off the adult channels or get rid of the TV from your room completely. But set up some accountability when you travel so that you don't get into that dangerous zone where Satan can hook you and put you on the wrong path. Another way you can run from your life is to protect your internet usage. There is an amazing amount of junk on the internet. It's a great tool. I use it every single week to do prepare for this. But there is a lot of stuff out there. Let me give you a website that you can go to if you want to find something that can help you have some protection and accountability. There's an accountability software that you can download that you can actually set it up ahead of time. You can have an email sent once a month to somebody who's holding you accountable that will tell every website that you've been to. And they'll know if you've been to some place that you shouldn't. We, uh, we have this in our office, although I realized this week as I was preparing, I think some of our computers, maybe we've not kept it up to date and we need to do that. But here's where you go. The website is triplexchurchxxxchurch.com. It is a safe website. I know that sounds a little weird, but they are actually, their whole ministry is fighting pornography. But you can go there, you download that software, you set up somebody to hold you accountable. One other thing is you need to avoid all dangerous places. You need to avoid all dangerous places. You know right now, while I'm talking, what that dangerous place is for you. Let me just mention a couple of things and be really, really straightforward with you, okay? Guys, I know that for whatever reason in our culture today, going to a strip club is somewhat acceptable. But I want to tell you, if you want your life to be on a path that leads to a healthy destination and you want to honor God with your life, you should never, and I mean never, set foot in one of those places. Satan will use what you see there to hook you and try to destroy you. For some of you, maybe it's going to the gym to work out. And there is somebody there that, man, they look really good in that tight pair of shorts. And it sends your mind in the wrong direction. Change health clubs. Quit going there. Do something to avoid that dangerous place. Very frankly this morning, maybe for a few of you, there is somebody at work that you have a growing attraction to. And I would encourage you do what it takes to change that, whether it is changing your habits so that you get out of, you don't see them as often, or if it means clear going to the extreme of changing jobs, then do it. Don't let Satan hook you and destroy your life. There's one more thing. If we're going to be on the right path, we need to allow God to heal us. We need to allow God to heal us. That passage in Proverbs that we've been going over and over says those who conceal their sins do not prosper. But don't miss the last part of that. The promise is that those who confess and renounce them find mercy. Our God is a God of second chances. He is a God of mercy. And it does not matter what you've done in the past or what path you are on today, He has never, He has never stopped loving you. He has never stopped caring about you. And He wants to forgive you. He wants to help you get on a healthy path. He wants to pour out His mercy in your life. 
And so today, if you find yourself on the wrong path, God, the God of heaven, the God who created you, is inviting you to get off of that path and to find healing and to get on a path that leads to a healthy relationship with Him. I want us to pray together today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? I'm pretty confident today that there are people in this room that are struggling with these issues. And when I asked you earlier to raise your hands, most of you would never do that because you don't want anybody to know. But you know what? God already knows. And God has never for a moment stopped loving you. And today, He wants you to find healing. But as long as we keep things in the dark, as long as we keep them behind the blinds, Satan just uses it over and over and over again. It's not until we expose it to the light that the beginning of the end can happen in our lives. So with every eye closed, I wonder, is there anybody who would have the courage today, not so much for my sake, but for God's sake, to raise your hand and say, I am struggling with this and I want God's healing today. Is there anyone who would be that courageous? Thank you. I see some of those. Anyone else? Would you admit that to God? Thank you. I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray for those who have courageously lifted their hands in the air to admit to you today, God, that they are struggling with these very issues. And God, I ask you to reward their courage and begin the healing process in their lives in this very moment. God, to remind them today and to cover them today in your love and forgiveness and mercy. And God, to help them now to begin to take the steps that are necessary to remove this from their lives and to step off of this path that leads to destruction and to step onto a path that leads to an incredible, joy-filled relationship with You. Thank You, God, for Your power to bring healing. In the name of the One who heals us, Jesus Christ, Amen.